Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg and Sports Illustrated's AllHokies.com. Joined beside me from Sports Illustrated's AllHokies.com, we have Mike McDaniel. Mike, how you doing, man? What's going on? And all the way from Sports Illustrated's AllHokies.com, we have Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, how are you? Doing good. I just realized this is the first pod that I've been on since we all started working for for allhookies.com. So it's kind of uh kind of interesting to hear the new the new titles. New dynamic. New dynamic. We were just three random dudes like six months ago. And now <laughs> how about that, right? Uh, Let's be honest, we're still three random dudes. Yes, we are very much still three random dudes with the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is the nature of what we do here. And, uh, you know, we talk Hokie sports, and even when there's no sports, Virginia Tech Hokies have been making headlines, and today it was not in a good way. The golden goose of the 2021 recruiting class, Demetrius Davis, the number six quarterback for dual threat in the nation, the number 21 player in Texas, uh, a very high four-star recruit that was pretty much on the borderline of being a, a five-star and, and was spearheading the TX2VT hashtag slash movement has decommitted from Virginia Tech. He announced today on Twitter that he would still take an official visit to Virginia Tech, but he was looking to see what is best for him and his family, which we all know means that he is not going to Virginia Tech anymore. The... 24-7 crystal ball says it looks like he is going to Auburn. Who could have predicted this? Well, us. Ricky LeBlue, I'll give you first dibs here because you called it about a month ago. What's your take on the Dave Davis decommitment? Uh it sucks. Um obviously if you're if you're a tech fan or you you cover the team, you realize that this is not good for Virginia Tech's prospects moving forward. He's he's an impactful guy. Um I mean, you can we had this debate before whether or not he was one of those program changers. Right. But I mean, look, he's he's a really good prospect um, and he's no longer no longer on the boat. Um, it's really interesting that. A lot of people are surprised by this. Um, I'm not I don't want to sit here and and sound smug, but it, it wasn't hard to see this coming, guys. I mean, He's he's from an area he doesn't that isn't close to tech. He had no prior connections to the school. He had dozens and dozens of offers from programs that are either equivalent to Virginia Tech or better in terms of program prestige. Um, 
so yeah, I'm not I'm not at all surprised. Um, I I thought it was a great accomplishment that Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson got him in the fold in the first place. Um, but that accomplishment doesn't mean anything anymore now that he's gone. Um, and it certainly looks like the this year's recruiting class is going to be facing another uphill battle. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to replace him. I don't know if you really can at this point in the cycle because when you're recruiting guys nowadays, if you're not in with them when they're sophomores and juniors, it's kind of hard to get in on them, especially the, the elite guys. Um, and even more so if you're a program like Virginia Tech that isn't quite like an Alabama or a Clemson where you can just barge into whatever high school you want and basically take whoever you'd like. Um, it's an unfortunate situation. It's probably going to lead to some more decommitments. Um, you can probably guess for yourself who that's going to be. Um, and also, I think we have to call call it what it is and say this whole Texas to VT thing. It, it sh- first of all, it was never a movement, right? They were trying to make it a movement. At least the, the, the coaching staff was, well, it's dead right now. <laughs> it is. Um, Demetrius Davis was the headliner for this thing. And with him off the boat, um, I find it hard to believe that any of these other four star guys that they're recruiting from Texas are going to seriously consider Virginia tech. I understand that Tech got a couple guys from Texas last cycle, and they may keep one or two guys from Texas in this year's cycle, but this whole movement of or attempted movement of trying to generate elite-level talent from the Texas area, it, it's not a thing right now. Mike, what's your, what's your take here? I mean, it, it seemed like there was kind of a slow devolving in Davis's, you know, outward – I guess hyping up tech and stuff like that pretty much starting when he received that Auburn offer in the first place. What's your thoughts here? Yeah. So I think one of the worst things to happen to Virginia tech here was the COVID pandemic and it's not an excuse, but when you think about the momentum that Virginia tech was building uh, in that, in that mid to late March, early April timeframe. So you think about, Uh, Latrell Neville coming on board and Demetrius Davis being all over social media trying to pull guys in and Virginia Tech being in what seemed like to be a really good position to land Landon Watson, the defensive end out of Texas at the time. A big reason for all of that was because of the momentum that was building in Blacksburg, right? And recruiting in a lot of cases is about the momentum that you build, but I think that's especially the case this year because of what we're dealing with with the pandemic, an extended dead period, obviously, that's now through the end of June. The fact that kids can't take the official visits uh, in the spring that you would expect them to take. Um, Virginia Tech, when they had an opportunity at that spring momentum, um, and it looked like they were starting to trend that direction with the um, Neville commit, that kind of came out of nowhere on that one weekend there in March, uh, late March, early April timeframe, um, and then moving through to now, it's not hard to really see why Demetrius Davis decommitted. Um, Virginia Tech, since that Latrell Neville commitment, it's been pretty slow as far as like elite prospects or at least very good prospects um, that Virginia tech's been in the mix for those guys just haven't come through. So you talk about Landon Watson, you talk about Naquan Brown, Philip Riley is a guy that Virginia tech made a really late push on out of the state of Florida. He looked like by all indications, 24 seven crystal ball. Everybody had him going to Virginia tech. He actually tweeted at the main 24 seven lead recruiters, like the national lead recruiters, 
saying that he had made his decision. And it looked like Virginia Tech was going to land him. And he ends up going, coming out of nowhere and committing to Notre Dame earlier this week. Um, and that's a big reason why Demetrius Davis, with the tea leaves and the fact that he was considering reneging his commitment anyway, ends up decommitting from Virginia Tech today. So what this does to Virginia Tech moving forward, I think to Ricky's point, number one, it kills whatever momentum they had in Texas. I think the coaching staff, it was clear they're trying to make this thing a movement. And I agree with Ricky totally. It was never a movement in Texas. It had the potential to become one in this recruiting cycle because you you land Davis, you land Landon Watson. Who knows who else you're able to grab out of the state of Texas after that um, because you already had Latrell Neville in the door and you're pursuing some other guys out of the state. So who knows what that looks like if you're able to kind of land these guys and get the momentum you were hoping for here in the spring. But it didn't happen, right? So Demetrius Davis now moves on. He's definitely not coming to Virginia Tech. People are saying, oh, yeah, he's still taking his official visit, and you know, there's a chance he could commit. Guys, he's not coming to Virginia Tech. He's That's not. just out of and, respect for the coaching staff. If, did he and, exactly, and a respect for the relationships that he's built. And if he doesn't want to be in Virginia Tech, that's fine. Um, he needs to go wherever he thinks it's it's best for him, and that's you know what you need to do as a as a college athlete and just as a person trying to select a school and make a major life decision. But it obviously kills Virginia Tech's momentum in Texas. Number one, number two, Virginia Tech dropped from a top thirty signing class to number fifty one in the nation as of this afternoon. We're recording here on Wednesday 52. afternoon. I'm looking at it right now. Um, now, now fifty two. So it's even dropped a spot since earlier this afternoon when I looked. So Virginia Tech is in a position now where they had the 74th ranked recruiting class, the worst in the Power Five a year ago. And this was supposed to be seen as the class that kind of builds that momentum and shows that, you know, that 2020 recruiting class was an aberration and not the new norm. But now you're looking at things like, okay, when Beamer was in Blacksburg, he was consistently churning out top 25 and top 30 classes, right? The first two years of Fuente, same thing, top 25, top 30 classes. The recruiting didn't get better per se, but they were treading water. 2020 was supposed to be seen as this aberration class. It was a small class, number one, and they missed some of their higher profile targets. And that's a big reason why they ended up at 74. So it was supposed to be an aberration. But now you're looking at it, and it's still early in the cycle. So I caveat it, and it's a weird cycle to begin with because of the dead period. But guys, it doesn't look good. We're sitting here in the first week of May. Virginia Tech just lost his top commitment. Latrell Neville, what's the reason that he's sticking around? The whole reason he committed to Blacksburg in the first place was to play with Demetrius Davis. Demetrius Davis was a major reason why Latrell Neville even considered Virginia Tech. Latrell Neville committed to the Hokies sight unseen. He was planning on taking a visit, but then the COVID stuff hit, and he decided, you know what? I've seen enough with a virtual tour. I've talked to the coaching staff enough. Demetrius Davis has sold me on Virginia Tech enough that I'll commit, but he's never seen the school. So what's his, what's his incentive for sticking around? It's not a good situation for Virginia Tech to be in now in the month of May. Obviously, there there's a bunch of offers out on the table, but why would Naquan Brown then commit to Virginia Tech or Kelvin Gilliam, some of the top prospects in Virginia? What's Landon Watson's incentive now for committing to Virginia Tech out of Texas? A big reason why a lot of these guys were considering Virginia Tech in the first place where, look, in the state of Virginia, the Hokies have had a ton of trouble recruiting in the first place. A big reason why some of these top top dogs in the state outside of Travion Henderson were looking at Tech was because they were bringing in a a potential revolutionary type talent in Demetrius Davis, a quarterback, their highest rated quarterback recruit coming out of high school since Tyrod Taylor. Like that was supposed to be a big deal for this recruiting class. And now he's out the door. So at best, the future is uncertain. At worst, we could be heading towards a really, really poor recruiting class for the second year in a row. 
And once you have two of those guys, especially in the ACC, it's really hard to come back from, even if you do end up having a good season this year. Well, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Twitter right now, and though we are talking about Latrell Neville as why would he stay, the Hokies actually extended an offer to Lucas Coley, uh, a quarterback out of uh, San Antonio, who, though he's not Demetrius Davis, he's not the number six dual threat, he is a top 20 dual threat quarterback. Latrell uh, Neville just tweeted at him, hit me, bro, let's talk. So it is, uh, it, it seems like there's some maybe chance that he sticks around, but like you said, it was sight on scene. It, it did seem kind of random. I have a question for both of you though. Mike, everything that you're saying is essentially, I have reason, I have no reason to assume that you're not right. But if you're the Virginia Tech coaching staff, you can't have your entire recruiting philosophy be centered around the fact that you signed one good player, right? I mean, I mean, right. you have to, you have to be able to sell your school and you have to be able to anticipate that something like this might've happened. I, 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 my first reaction tweet to this was, you know, there's, there's no worse feeling than having the anxiety that something might be too good to be true. And then that ultimately being correct. But the yeah, so let me, this, we all saw the signs from a mile away. Yeah, so let me go first here, and then I'll turn it over to Ricky, because I'd like Ricky's perspective from the 757. It's something that we've talked about on this podcast before, so I think that'll tie in nicely as a conversation. So a big part of Justin Fuente and his staff's recruiting philosophy when he got to Blacksburg was that he was going to try to figure out the state of Virginia as best he could. What we realized quickly, outside of a couple of aberrations, one being obviously Devin Hunter, was that Virginia Tech couldn't really recruit the state of Virginia well with his coaching staff. Nope, none of them were really from here, right? I mean, the only guys who were left who had experience consistently recruiting the state of Virginia, Charlie Wiles, Bud Foster, um, Zon Burden, really it, right? Like, those were the guys who really had that experience in the state of Virginia. Everybody else is coming from that Texas, Oklahoma area, middle of the country, not used to recruiting the state of Virginia. So they come in here, and they can't relate to these kids, right? And a big thing that Virginia Tech then decided to do this cycle was go to Texas and go back to where the staff was familiar. The only problem with that is these these Texas kids don't really know about Virginia Tech, right? Like, we're getting to the point now, guys, we're getting further and further removed from Michael Vick, right? Which was like the era of Virginia Tech football, the start of things for the Hokies and their sustained success. We're getting further and further away from that. So a lot of these kids, like, selling point is like, oh, my God, like, Michael Vick, right? And that's like Virginia Tech's brand of Virginia Tech football. But the further away we get from that, it's like, what are you selling these kids on, right? And this staff is having a really hard time selling this program right now. And the issue that Virginia Tech's running into is that the coaching staff is saying, okay, come play with Demetrius Davis. Okay, but now what do you do? Demetrius Davis is no longer in the fold and you can't relate to the kids in Virginia. And primarily the 757, which is kind of why I want to turn it over to Ricky, is like Virginia Tech hasn't recruited that area well now for a long time. Yeah, um, there's there are a few different dynamics at, at play in in Virginia and specifically in my area. Uh, number one being it's five and a half hours away from Blacksburg, so even though Blacksburg and and, and the seven five seven are in the same state, depending on where you are in, in Hampton Roads, for me it's about five and a half hours. If you're in uh, Hampton or Norfolk, it's a bit less, but um, it. it it's a long trip, right? I mean, it's not something you can you you really want to make in a day. 
so that's that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is is that yeah, they they've missed on a lot of these guys over the last five to seven years. Um, so they don't have a recent track record of of serious success there. Uh, another part of it is that this is a kind of a transient community where a lot of the people f- that live in this area aren't from this area. Um, they originally, their families are from different parts of the country or different parts of the state. It's a very military uh, area. We have one of the highest densities of military bases in the country. So when you, when you put all that together, um, even though there are a lot of tech fans down here, there are a lot of people down here that don't really have that historical connection to Virginia Tech. Um, so I don't know, man, it's this, this program, I, I, I totally get going out of state and trying to build a, a consistent out of state presence in a place like Texas, where there's a ton of division one talent and a ton of power five talent in the state. But this, th- this is what happens sometimes, man. If you, if you build your recruiting class, like you said, Mike, around one kid, and all of a sudden that kid isn't feeling it anymore. Well, guess what? You're SOL, man. You're you're up the creek without a paddle. I mean, this this recruiting class is in serious serious trouble and I I really don't like being a negative guy. I know a lot of people think I enjoy crapping on this program and and that I enjoy um, calling people out for when they make mistakes. I really don't. It'd be a lot easier for me if this program were really good, right? It'd be a lot easier for me to write about stuff and it'd be a lot easier for me to do yeah, interviews. Being a Clemson podcast would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's great when you win 12 games a damn year and, and you're in contention for the national championship. And the biggest problem your program faces is can we beat Alabama? I was going to say, that's their biggest complaint like, is that they yeah, lose to Alabama like, once every two I years. Mean, and then over here at Tech, you're worried about finishing 70th and recruiting. It's like people are like, oh, well, you're too negative. Well, look, guess what? The last several years or last few years of this program have been negative. The program isn't going in a good direction right now. I, I know I wrote something different like a month ago because things were headed in a good direction. I'm trying, I'm trying to give the staff credit where credit is due and it looked like Virginia Tech's recruiting was on the right path. And it looked like that this recruiting class was going to be better than it had been. And guess what? That's all gone. It's all gone. All of it, all the momentum, all the hype, it's all gone. And you know what? Another thing I want to say, all you people out there that, that, yeah, all you people out there that tried to sell us that this bill of goods, that, Oh man, Virginia Tech's going to be top twenty, tech, top fifteen, man. Like this is this is the class they're going to nail like four or five, four or five star guys. They're going to get like four four star guys from Texas alone. Like, shut up, shut up. You're wrong. Okay, it is it is what it is. There was there was no first of all it was it was unrealistic in the first place, and all your hopes of doing that were built on one guy, and anyone who is remotely honest with themselves could have seen this coming. Yeah. I mean, as his stock rose, so too did the serious prospects of him being able to get playing time. I mean, at I a, a was lucky that Quincy Patterson didn't leave because Quincy was getting a ton of offers in, in, in that recruiting cycle. He had an offer to play at Penn state. I think Florida got in on him. I mean, he had offers to go play elsewhere and he stayed. And you know what? That was unlikely. 
It was extremely unlikely, but it happened. You can't expect Lightning to strike twice. Demetrius Davis is too popular of a recruit. He's got too many damn offers for these big schools to come in and try and scoop him up. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. And when you come out here and you're winning 68 games a year and you get smacked by 35 by Duke at home, this is what happens. Tech's program is not where it used to be. And this coaching staff has a long way to go in order to sell this program the way they need to sell it. The irony is that Demetrius Davis somehow committed after that Duke game, which is all the more surprising. Um, yeah. In, in totality, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, the one thing that I will mention, just with this kind of recruiting cycle being as it is with a dead period, all these kids are out of school. Nobody's, you know, everybody's sitting around at home right now. I don't, I don't want to hear about, the, I don't want to hear about the Rona being an issue, man. Every program in the country is dealing with this. No, listen, listen, no. So what I'm, what I'm saying is. What what did you expect that was going to be any different? These guys, these top recruits, so Demetrius Davis is in that group. They're receiving hundreds of texts, yeah, and phone yeah, calls from definitely. these top from these top programs every single day, more than usual, guys, because they're not in school, right? So usually you're in school, you're not getting your phone blown up at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, one o'clock, one thirty, yeah, because you're in class and coaches know you're in class. Now it's open season for every single recruit out there, but especially the top guys like Demetrius Davis. Guys, there's too much allure with these other big-time programs right now that are simply on a different level than Virginia Tech. You look at Auburn's recruiting class right now, Auburn's recruiting class is actually not ranked all that much higher than Virginia Tech's, and Auburn looks like the likely landing spot for Demetrius Davis. That's a whole other thing that I don't really understand, just given Auburn's quarterback situation right now. But with that being said, if Demetrius Davis goes there and turns Auburn to a top twenty, you know, top twenty-five, top thirty class, it, everybody's like, "Oh, what's what's different with Auburn from VT with the recruiting rankings?" Guys, Auburn's in the SEC. They're Gus Malzahn. They played in a national championship. They played in big-time bowl games pretty much every single year, except for one or two down years they've had recently. Like they're a much better program right now than Virginia Tech. It's not even really all that close. Yeah. All right, so put your put your hat on here. Your coach Fuente, your coach Davidson. What steps do you take here? What's your game plan to salvage what you can out of this 2020 class? Well, they have to find a quarterback. Um Tech's quarterback room, although deep right now, is probably not going to be deep next year. There's going to be some attrition at this position next year. I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be somebody. That's just kind of the way the world works now. Um, if you're not starting at quarterback, the first thing people are looking to do is for you to transfer. So Tech is going to have to bring in another guy. I'm not even including Knox Kadem on the depth chart right now because Tech didn't want to take him in the first place. A lot of people forget that, that the only reason Knox Kadem's offer became serious was because Hendon Hooker put himself in the portal. And one once Hendon Hooker was in the portal, Tech knew that they had to get a quarterback, and Knox Kadem was the highest guy on their board left. So Tech's going to have to go find themselves a quarterback. I, it's highly unlikely that they're going to find anybody on the same level as Demetrius Davis. At this point, they need to find the best they can to move on. Um, but they they have to find a way to add a couple more of these different these difference makers. And you know what? If if their pitch to the uh, Landon Watsons and the Kevin Gilliams of the world was, hey, you get, to, you get to come play with Demetrius Davis, well, then they got no shot, obviously. 
because you, you can't all of a sudden just change the argument and say, oh, well, we also have a really good defensive program. We put a ton of guys in the NFL on defense and yada, yada, yada. You can't, you can't switch it up like that anymore, man. So I'm hoping that Tech didn't sell a lot of these kids on playing with playing with Demetrius Davis. Part of me doesn't think that they did, but I can certainly see it. But they got a long way to go, man. They have to add some some serious difference makers because if they put out a a, a recruiting class that isn't in like the top thirty five, they're going to have a lot of backlash th- through the public, and it's gonna it's not going to be the people that are are have been given Fuente hell for the last year and a half because those people are those people are going to hate him regardless. Fuente could go out there and win ten games next year, and they're going to hate him anyway. Um, but what what they're going to start to lose are those middle fans, those fans that have tried to give Fuente credit where credit is due, and they've criticized him where he needs to be criticized. And if Tech goes out there in December and in February, and we we go we go past those two signing days, and we don't have a serious class in front of us, because last year's class was unserious. That that that, that, that that's a group of five recruiting class. Or, or, or even worse. I mean, it, it was bad. It was seriously bad. You had several group of five teams ahead of them last year. Yeah, exactly. So last year's recruiting class was completely unacceptable. I don't care about the extenuating circumstances. Um, Fuente had, this is Fuente's program. He has to find a way to sell this program in a way that connects with recruits. And he now is facing an even tougher battle than he did 12 hours ago. Because the shining example of his success on the recruiting trail is now gone. What's your uh, what's your strategy here if you're Fuente, Mike? Well, my strategy is you got to figure out how to recruit Virginia better. But I'm not sure how they're going to do that in this class, right? Like Naquan Brown is the one guy they've kind of been after consistently. Kelvin Gilliam's another one. Um, two pretty highly rated guys. And then from the outside looking in, there's Tristan Lee, who seems like He's all but a shoe-in for Clemson, and I know that 24-7's not saying that. I'm telling you that. Um, it's going to be really hard to get him in the door. He's he's a five-star lineman. I mean, it's just not really realistic at this point. So Virginia Tech needs to pull in a guy like Naquan Brown, and if you pull in that kind of guy in Virginia, I think Landon Watson still becomes a possibility in Texas at the other defensive end spot, right? And there are a couple defensive end guys Virginia Tech's had success with in Texas already um, with Robert Wooten and Alec Bryant from last year's recruiting class, two of the higher rated guys in the 2020 class. Um, and being able to land Landon Watson would then tell you, OK, look, they've built some sort of at least defensive line pipeline out of Texas because there's so much talent there. And all of a sudden you can say, OK, well, they're starting to build some depth and some momentum there with some of the defensive ends in Texas. Well, OK, great. That's a start. What we've been saying all along in this podcast is that Virginia Tech can't have their primary recruiting base be in a state that's nowhere near Virginia, right? Virginia Tech's had success in North Carolina and Pennsylvania in the past, up the East Coast in New Jersey. It's a little bit easier to get to than Texas, right? Um, The staff's from Texas, but outside of that, what's the association with Blacksburg and Houston or Blacksburg and Dallas? Like, not a whole lot, right? And Like a different country. (laughs) It's like a different country. And like these... You know, everybody's like, okay, well, the coaching staff's there and they're recruiting and like they're all from there and have roots. Like, yeah, great. But like, you got to actually pull guys in in order for that to like be true, right? 
like in order for it to actually be a pipeline or to actually build momentum, like you have to actually sign talent out of Texas, not verbally commit, sign talent. They've done that with Bryant. They've done that with Wooten. Can they do it with some of the top guys in this class? It's not looking good for Davis, obviously. It doesn't seem like there's almost any shot that he's in the door, obviously. But then there's also Landon Watson, who's still in the mix, um, could be in the fold. Latrell Neville, as of right now, he's a verbal commit to Virginia Tech. I think the Hokies being able to keep a guy like Latrell Neville on board, as unlikely as it may seem right now, that might be a good start. And then I think the next shoe to drop would be a guy like Naquan Brown, because I think if you get Brown, you have Neville, then okay, great, you got two four-stars. Can you get Landon Watson now? And that's your third four-star guy. That's the path with this recruiting class for Virginia Tech. Now, that's that's the path. What I think is going to happen is I think Latrell Neville's going to decommit. And so now what do you do at receiver, right? Because Virginia Tech has been looking for receiver help for a long time. And the depth at receiver right now, while there's some talent there, guys, like it's not great. Um, there's a lot of unproven talent at the very least. And Virginia Tech was hoping you know, to get some sort of like big, bigger bodied receiver in the room. And Latrell Neville looked like he was going to fill that role. Now that he's out the door, then, then what do you do? Um, if you can't pull Naquan Brown, you're probably not going to pull Landon Watson. So then what? Are you filling up your class with a bunch of three stars and maybe mix in a four star or two? Like it's pretty early still in May. So like the opportunity is there for that, but I don't know what the path is. I think the best possible solution for Virginia Tech's problems right now is continuing to recruit Latrell Neville so he stays on board, trying to pull in um, another quarterback, uh, like we mentioned earlier, and then trying to get a guy or two in the top five or ten in the state of Virginia. And that's a lot of ifs and a lot of uncertainty and something I'm not really sure the staff's going to be able to do. They haven't shown themselves to be capable of doing it really yet, so it's hard for me to be totally sold on what they're going to be able to do now with Demetrius Davis out the door. What's your like litmus test at this point for this class, right? I mean, with Davis, people were talking about a top 25, a top 20. Some people even ridiculously talking about a top 15 class. We see now that without Davis right now, the class, like we said, sits at 52 nationally, 10th in the ACC. So that means you're behind everyone but Georgia Tech, Syracuse, NC State, and Wake. Where does this class need to be in order for you as as fans to come out of this with some kind of any kind of solace? Uh, I don't know. I mean, coming in to to all of this, I, I, I felt like the standard was a top 30 class. Like it had to be in the top 30 in order to erase what happened last year. I still feel that way. Uh, it, it, it if tech if tech wants people to believe really believe that last year's recruiting class was a one off and and was just a a perfect storm of of circumstances beyond their control then they need to be in the top 30 again this year if they're not in the top 30 again this year then it starts to look more and more like last year was actually legit and that's the that's the direction I'm leaning was that last year was kind of legit and that Tech's recruiting is maybe not quite that bad, but it's pretty bad. Um, so I don't know, man. Like it's just it's they've they've dug themselves such a hole in state that they don't have a reliable pipeline in their backyard in order to backfill these these losses outside of the state. 
and they don't have a pipeline outside the state, like North Carolina's not a pipeline or whatever happened to that? Did did, did Justin Fuente and his staff just stop recruiting North Carolina? I mean, I understand Max over there now and he's killing it. I mean, look, he's got 50,000 four stars in his class right now. But did they just like but how come how come that hasn't been a focus of the program? I mean, on all we saw in 2017 and 2018 was NC to NC to VT plastered on social media. And I haven't seen that in a year, maybe a year and a half. I mean, they, they, they don't have the pipeline in state. They don't have the pipeline in North Carolina. They don't have anything in the Nova, Maryland, D.C. region that they can realistically rely on to backfill these losses out of state. And they're not doing well enough outside of the state to backfill these losses in state. Yeah, more importantly, in my mind, is they're not doing well enough on the field right now, right? They won six yeah, games. That's the other part, is that they, 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 don't, they don't look like a top three ACC team. Right. Even though... They were in that position going into going into the the final couple games last year. They don't look like it. They're not playing like it. Yeah, I mean we're not that far removed from Virginia Tech getting pummeled at home by a Duke team that barely made a bowl game. Um, you're at a point now with Virginia Tech. They won six games two years ago. It was their worst year since 1992. They had a very up and down, to put it lightly, season last year to win eight games. Um, they had a 2020 class that ranked 74th nationally, the worst in the Power Five. And to Ricky's point, this is now starting to look on the recruiting trail more like the norm rather than an aberration, at least as we sit here on May 6th, right? So Virginia Tech's in a spot right now where this season was already going to be important on the football field. It's all the more important now as you try to piece together uh, this 2021 recruiting class. If Virginia Tech does not get off to a very good start in the month of September, let's say they're a little bit similar to what they were last year. Say they go like two and two record wise, but they just don't look competitive at all against Penn State. Um, they find themselves not looking very good against some of the lower tier opponents on their schedule in the non-conference play. Like who's going to commit to Virginia Tech then, right? And now you're moving into a situation where you had a very poor recruiting class a year ago, and then 2021's not looking very good. And then Virginia Tech looks like a team on the field in the month of September, worst case scenario, that might have trouble getting to eight wins again. So now you have two eight-win seasons. Let's let's play it out. Let's say Virginia Tech goes eight and four, right? Which would be probably the lower end or right around right of what people expect. They expect eight or nine wins next year, right? So let's say Virginia Tech goes eight and four. Then you have an eight and four season this year, an eight and five season this past season, and then a six and seven uh, record two years ago. So now you're looking at a team that is back to kind of what they were under the last few years of Beamer, except worse on the recruiting trail. And that does not sit well. And, and to answer your question, Andrew, of where this class needs to be, it had to be in the top 30 anyway. It's all the more imperative they're in the top 30 now. And that's based off of what they had a year ago. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, but if you have a, a class that's ranked, you know, barely inside the top 50 or in the top 70, you're going to have a major, major problem from a depth perspective a couple years from now, regardless of what you do on the field this fall. This this fan base, the, 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 the donors of this program, the fan base, the people that have followed this program for 20 odd years, they're begging Virginia Tech to give them a reason to believe. They're begging for a consistent recruit, a consistent recruiting class that they can that they can build on and hope and hope that will develop 
into a serious winner. They're begging for for a, a, a premier win on the field. And they haven't gotten any of that in the last two to three seasons. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing that stuck, stuck out to me, it made me think uh, of a quote that Phil Jackson said in the last dance on Sunday. And that's, you're only a success in the moment that you perform a successful act. That successful act has to be repeated. And, and I think a lot of people who have been around this program for a long time that have been fans through the, the Michael Vick years, the Tyrod years, you, you know, you question what's going on right now and say, you know, we're Virginia tech, like why we should be getting a top 30 recruiting class. And I, you know, I agree with that sentiment, but at the end of the day, six wins on the field, uh, two seasons ago, a general downward trajectory, the inability to recruit the players in your own backyard. You don't have much to show for it on the field and you're relying on recruiting players in Texas on recruiting players in now California. That's a hail Mary that if it fails has potentially detrimental consequences for the program and I'm not necessarily, I'm not here saying, you know, the program is in free fall. The program is in collapse, is collapsing because I think it's too early to say that. But when a trend starts, it's hard to turn that thing around. And I think this coaching staff, I mean, yes, you're, you're playing with one arm behind your back compared to the Auburns of the world, compared to the Notre Dames of the world. You have to be able to sell your program. You have to be able to sell Virginia Tech. You can't just rely on saying, come play with Demetrius Davis. Come do this. Come do that. Because things can get in the way of that. And you have to have a comeback plan. And that's what worries me here. Because, you know, three years of poor recruiting could ultimately lead down the road to two or three really poor seasons. And that could set this program back a decade. Oh yeah. If they, if they go out this year and they finish in like the top or they finish like outside the top 50, like if they were to basically, if they were to hold par with where they're at right now, this year's class and last year's class, that's enough to put this program in actual serious jeopardy of missing a bowl game. Like we're talking like five wins. I mean, that's that's serious. Like, that could actually happen. And if that happens, well, then what does the program have to, to hold on to? I mean, for years, Tech tech has held on to their win streak over UVA. Gone. Out the window. If they miss a bowl game, what what does Tech have left? That they, they should have already hear? missed the bowl game, Rick. Yeah. They had to reschedule no, that Marshall game. You're totally right. You're totally right. So if they legit miss a bowl game, which, look, let's be honest, Missing a bowl game in this day and age with the 80 million bowl games that are out there, it's pretty hard to do. And the and the fact that you're playing at least one FCS team, and in Tech's case, two last year, playing two FCS teams, I mean, come on. So I don't know, man. Like, I I I don't I don't like being this upset or this negative about the program, but come on, man. Like, at a certain point, you have to you have to put up something concrete. And, and you have to stop taking these big losses, whether it be on or off the field. You have to stop losing these big, high-profile recruiting battles. 
you have to start winning some of these. You have to stop losing these big, high-profile games. You have to start winning some of those. You can't keep racking up wins against Boston College or Furman or Old Dominion or whoever. At some point, you have to be able to say, you have to be able to walk into Whip Babcock's office and say, you know what? I went out there. I won nine games. I beat Virginia. Or this year, I beat Penn State. I got a top 30 recruiting class in the bag. Like We're, we're starting to build towards something here. Justin Fuente doesn't have anything that he can seriously point to over the last couple of years and say, you know what? That's a serious accomplishment, and we're still feeling the benefits of it. His yeah. coaching job in 2016 was absolutely tremendous. The fact that he was able to turn that roster of a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five team and make them an ACC Coastal champion and come within one missed block by Trayvon McMillan away from tying that game against Clemson and taking them into overtime. He hasn't done anything like that in the last three years. I, I mean, the question, what it comes down to, is what is this program right now? I, I think that you can't hang your hat. I mean, you can hang your hat on Michael Vick, and you can hang your hat on Tyrod Taylor, and you can hang your hat on the success that this team had over a period of time during the prime Beamer years. But pretty much all semblance of the Beamer era is out of that building right now, right? Bud is gone. Wiles is gone. Beamer is now long gone. It's his like program this, now. Yeah, this is Fuente's program. And if you look at it from, you know, a blind resume test of, you know, not just the Fuente years, but the, the tail end of the Beamer years, Virginia Tech has been a relatively mediocre program. Not yep. bad, but they but no one is looking at what Virginia Tech has accomplished over the past, say, six, seven seasons and saying, wow, that 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 is an elite college football program. You now, are what you yeah, are yeah. what your record. I was going to say you are what your record says you are, Andrew. And you know what? People say we shouldn't accept mediocrity. And I don't think anybody is. That's been a popular line on Twitter. Oh, everybody's saying to accept the mediocrity. I got people in my in my mentions saying, oh, well, how are they at Fuente? You know, Fuente Caper is going to explain this away. And, you know, people are just learning to accept mediocrity and move on. Nobody's accepting it. That's why everybody's angry about it. But you are what your record says you are. They won 19 games in Fuente's first two seasons, a far cry from what they were doing the last few years of Beamer when they were six, seven, eight win program. They're getting back to that now. They went six and seven two years ago. They squeaked by to eight wins last year. They had a really poor recruiting class a year ago. And this cycle, it's not looking particularly good in the month of May. So you are what you are on the field and off the field right now. Recruiting is the worst it's ever been at Virginia Tech, period. It hasn't been this bad in a really, really long time, at least not in the modern recruiting era. When's the last time you could point to Virginia Tech and said they had two classes, number one, one that ranked out the top 70, which is unheard of, and then number two, another class right now that's ranked 51st, 52nd in the nation, you said, Andrew, right? 52nd, 52nd in the nation right now. And it's May, and it's early, and things can change. I get all of that. But if Virginia Tech has a 74th ranked class and a class that comes in in the, in the you know upper 40s, low 50s, what are you? That's not Virginia Tech football. That's not the team that came to fruition under Michael Vick and then turned into this power in the early 2000s and you know flourished under Frank Beamer and 
you know, grew into the program that it is, a big reason why everybody's expecting Virginia Tech to be better than they are right now. That would not be Virginia Tech football, guys. But you are what your record says you are. This is a seven or eight win program right now with the capability of winning nine, maybe 10 games on a good year. And that's kind of what they are. And now that nine and 10 win thing, which used to be kind of the norm in Blacksburg, that's more of an aberration. That's something you're like striving to and saying, you know, once every you know four or five years, we'll get to 10 wins. It's not the norm anymore. And it hasn't been for a long time. So for, I just want to say real quick for all these, these recruits that tech is recruiting, you know how old they were when Michael Vick was playing in Blacksburg? Zero. They weren't born yet. Yeah. Trick question. They weren't born yet. Like, at some point, you have to be able to point to something that isn't 20 years old. You know, and that's exactly right. And the fact of the matter is, you know, I don't want to sit here and trash the program. No one wants to do that. Obviously, we all have the same interest here. We want Virginia Tech football to be good. We want them to be good as possible. In our ideal world, they are going to, they should be winning national championships. Obviously, that's not happening. And we're we're far away from that happening. But where we were it, 10, 10 years ago is not where we are right now. We have seen, you know, just in the lifetime of a college football fan right now, you've seen USC go from a college football powerhouse to a middling team that hasn't won the Pac-12 or has won the Pac-12 once in the last 10 years, right? We've seen Nebraska go from, you know, back in their heyday, like, you know, the Alabama of the times, to a team that wins five games now. The trajectory for Virginia Tech, you know, they haven't bottomed out yet, but the vested interest of everyone in that room and everyone in this fan base has to be to prevent that from happening, right? So if you're Justin Fuente, if you're Coach Davidson on the recruiting trail, what's your pitch? What's your pitch? Because right now, it's not come play with Demetrius Davis anymore. You have to sell your program and sell what makes Blacksburg special. Like, I don't doubt that I, I, I truly do think that Justin Fuente is a decent football coach. I think he's a good football coach. We saw, like you said, Ricky, in 2016, what he was able to do with the talent that he had. But you can't do that unless you're getting the talent in the room. And, and they're going to have to figure something out. Because right now, this Hail Mary in the state of Texas seemed like it's on the verge of collapsing. And that could just have really bad consequences. It, it, it really could set this program back because if you can't root in Virginia, you don't have that foothold in North Carolina anymore. And you spent an entire year and a half on a Hail Mary to try to make a pipeline for recruiting for Virginia Tech football in the state of Texas. Where do you go from there? They got to figure out a way to make this work one way or another. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a coach, so this pitch wouldn't be polished, but I'd be trying to tell guys, look, there's plenty of playing time available. There, there are very, very few positions on this roster that are set in stone. Um, there are very few players in the program that have earned the right to be an automatic starter going into next year. So if you're a freshman, you come out, you play your ass off, uh, you, you have a chance to start. So chance of early playing time is one. I think Tech's made a lot of uh, actual structural improvements to the program in terms of the uh, Athlete Performance Center, which is still being built, the brand-new weight room. Um, obviously, the Beamer Barn over the last 10 years has been a huge investment and is still one of the best in the country, even though it's it's no longer brand new. Um, but you have tools to succeed at Virginia Tech, but what's missing is that on-field component that you can say, hey, 
we're a nine, 10 win team. We're, we're, we're right on the verge of getting to Clemson. We just need you to join this program to you. So you can help get us over the top. Tech can't make that pitch right now. Yeah. The one other thing I'll, I'll kind of add to essentially round this discussion up. Um, the fact that Virginia tech had to push so hard to get Demetrius Davis because, you know, he was going to be kind of linchpin to Texas that we talked about, right? And the fact we were going to bring more talent in the quarterback room. Guys, the biggest loss here from an on-field standpoint, like unless Demetrius Davis goes off, and I know he's got the pedigree and he's supposed to be very good, and we're all expecting him to be very good at the collegiate level, we wouldn't be this upset about this situation if we didn't think he was going to be really good. But Demetrius Davis could go off, he could be all-conference, he could be all-American somewhere, and Virginia Tech could be looking at this as one of the greatest what-ifs in football history at the school, right? In, in program history. But the thing that's a, a greater miss for Virginia Tech in regards to this class is the fact that Davis was going to bring all this talent with him, at least in theory, right? The quarterback room at Virginia Tech is as strong as it's been in a long time, right? So from a positional standpoint, not having Davis in the fold, yeah, it hurts, right? And it hurts down the line for, for Tech, but more immediately... It hurts talent at other positions that you were going to bring in that was going to have a more immediate impact, you know? Um, guys potentially like Landon Watson and Naquan Brown, guys who you thought that might actually jump on the boat that look a lot less likely now without Davis there. So more immediately, it hurts other positions more than it hurts quarterback. But look, guys, like Demetrius Davis had the potential, obviously one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in country, really high end four star recruit, like a guy who could completely turn this this program you know, around and turn a corner with Justin Fuente and kind of put that bad 2020 class behind him. And it's just not the case now. And, and that sucks as a tech alum, there's no way around it. And it sucks for this coaching staff because I know how hard they were pushing to make this class really good. And now they've kind of lost the glue that was holding it all together. You know, it's just a disappointing day to say the least, but you have to salvage this somehow, right? You can't afford to have another recruiting class, not only, you know, the worst in Power 5. Obviously, that can't happen again. But you, you can't have a recruiting class in the bottom 50% of Power 5. Because at that point, Virginia Tech football is no longer not even elite, but in that tier below elite, in that perpetual top 25 that fans have become so accustomed to during the Beamer, especially when you see on the other side, North Carolina recruiting better than Clemson right now. That's a team you got to play every year. The direction, you know, you don't have to have the number one recruiting class in the ACC, but Virginia Tech should always be in at least the top four. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not... Nobody is nobody who's a serious person is asking Justin Fuente to recruit a top twenty class. That like that's that's something that if you can do it once every couple like few years, good for you, man. Like you're killing it. Tech fans just need this this program to at least be around that top twenty five, top thirty mark because Tech's formula has always been that Tech under recruits their their record and overperforms on the field to to the recruiting class and we have not seen that over the last couple of years um i'm not as i'm not really all that confident anymore to be honest that this coaching staff is going to be able to coach this team to be better than what the talent says they're going to be 
I, I don't, I don't feel that confidence anymore that I used to have in this program um, that they can overperform their recruiting ranking, which makes recruiting so much more important. And the fact that they're not recruiting at a high level to me only forecasts mediocre performance on the field and mediocre performance on the field at Virginia tech is not the standard. It's not the standard for the fans. It's not the, the standard for the donors. It's not the standard for the national media. I mean, people are surprised that tech is struggling as much as they are. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet was drunk off his ass on a periscope. Hammered. Basically saying, what the hell is going on at tech? Now, yeah, tech went on to win a few games after that and, and salvage the season, but things just aren't like tech is not where it used to be. And it, it it's one thing for tech to be in the top 10, like it used to be all the time, but, Hell, I think Tech fans would like just being a top twenty-five team, it, it, you know, every every several weeks compared to what it is now. Because now you're shocked if you see Tech getting any any votes in the top twenty-five polls. That's just that's just unheard of. All right, let's wrap it up for today. A day of relatively bad news and some harsh analysis on our part, but hopefully between now and National Signing Day or Early Signing Day come December. The coaching staff will have found a way to prove everything that we are saying wrong. But until then, you know, a, a lot of uncertainty remains in the air surrounding Virgi the future of Virginia Tech football. But that's going to do it for us at the Hokie Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex. For Mike McDaniel and Ricky LeBlue, we thank you always for tuning in. Please rate our podcast. Maybe leave a little bit of a review. Send it to a friend. I'm assuming that... If you're a Virginia Tech football fan, a Virginia Tech alum, you have a lot of people with similar interests in Virginia Tech football that you have. Please pass our podcast on to them. We would greatly appreciate it. You can get more of our content at allhokies.com. That's Sports Illustrated's one-stop shop for all Virginia Tech athletic news. We are just getting started there, and our momentum at allhokies.com, unlike Virginia Tech's recruiting, is <laughs> is absolutely rolling oh man shameless plug there from andrew i like it I gotta do what i gotta do at the radio you learn a thing or two <laughs> but yeah thank you for tuning in we will be back next week with our originally planned episode which i think we are going to talk about an article that ricky did around the time of the draft about the draft prospects of players currently on virginia tech's roster there's a couple players. Ricky's got a lot of good info. You're not going to want to miss it. So thanks for listening. We hope to catch you next week and go Hokies.